Hi, I'm Bernard Laurendo, Managing Partner at Laurendo & Associates and CEO at Arif Pay, and you're listening to Vibe Check on the African Pre-Seed Podcast. How did you become involved in the Arif Pay journey and later become its CEO? So the way I, I uh, got involved in Arif Pay is it's actually a long journey. I moved to Ethiopia about three years ago. And back when I was in the Silicon Valley in California, I came across the founder of Arif Pay, uh, Aptamu. And at the time, he was leading a startup in the taxi hailing business. That was the first taxi hailing company in Ethiopia. And uh, he told me about some of the issues the company was having in terms of receiving payment. And so he came up uh, with the idea at the time of digitizing the whole payment ecosystem in Ethiopia and, and essentially becoming the, the square for in Ethiopia. And at the time, there was no policy whatsoever. Uh, digital was barely a word that policymakers knew how to spell. And uh, I thought that the idea was tremendous. And at the time, I was working in uh, the financial sector in the U.S. with Ben P. Paribas. And for me, all the dots connected my passion for you know, seeing uh, my motherland, uh, Ethiopia, grow, the financial sector pretty much also enabling the whole payment ecosystem, which in turn uh, enables the whole fundamentals of the economy. And so that's when I decided to invest in Arif Pay as an angel investor at the time. And so I was looking at the, the venture from afar for uh, quite a few years, was also involved in uh, in coaching and giving ideas and insights on a few things, coaching the, the founder. But it's almost now a few months ago where uh, with the board and myself, we decided also that it was a good time in terms of maturity for the company to have a new management and uh, I decided to join as, uh, uh, we all decided for me to join as a CEO. So that's how the journey uh, unfolded up until now. For the uninitiated, what is Ethiopia's macroeconomic picture? What is happening there that those from afar do not see? Ethiopia really has all of the macroeconomic fundamentals to become a country that transitions into the middle income economy zone. Today, we're a low-income country at about less than $1,000 GDP per capita. And the GDP overall is the second now, or let's let's just put it in the top five of Africa, but I think it's the second or third, depending on which numbers and which sources you look at, with about a bit north of $100 billion in GDP. But to put things in perspective, this $100 billion in GDP is what you get out of the city of San Antonio, Texas per year, right? And um, you have a banking sector in Ethiopia, which is also in its infancy, even though it's been growing quite a bit. Over the last few years, we went from zero private uh, banks about 20, 25 years ago to a few, to about 15 or 16, six months ago, and now to about 30 or 29, something like that, over the last six months. And you have also a few microfinance institutions and so on and so forth. And when you look at all of the macroeconomic uh, indicators of Ethiopia, it all looks very positive. 
However, we still we're, we're still lacking some of those connectors, so to speak, or things that will make the machine work. And this oil, really, that will make the machine work is, I mean, among other things, right? It's really the payment ecosystem, which is today very, very manual, heavily cash-based, if not all cash-based. We very recently have now introduced uh, mobile money in Ethiopia through Ethio Telecom, what was the monopoly in the telco sector. But you do have a very cash-based economy. And this really translates in a very, very slow velocity of money, which means that the money, the speed at which it, it goes from one hand to another is very, very low. And so this has a number of impact on the economy, inflation, the fact that the banks are not mobilizing deposits rapidly. And if they're not uh, mobilizing deposits rapidly, guess what? Their total deposit is not increasing. And so they're not in turn giving loans to whether it be SMEs or even to large enterprises the way they should be. Right. And so that's what I'm talking about in terms of the payment ecosystem is can really be one of those elements for the economy, for the machine of the economy to run smoothly. And uh, and this is why, you know, I saw in, in RFPA a very, very exciting venture, which could serve as the aggregator and the vector for a number of things to happen at the macroeconomic level. How does RFPay envisage itself and its role within the Ethiopian fintech system? The unique value proposition that Pay is bringing is is not really the, the the technology because to be honest the technology is that we will be bringing to the market is somewhat of an incremental innovation to what maybe some of our competitors are are providing although we believe that you know we will bring a whole set of capabilities and 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 features that will be a one-stop shop for all payment type of activities in terms of point of sale but also payment gateway but what we think is really our unique value proposition is the fact that we will be an aggregator or a vector or a conveyor, so to speak, of all the channel partners that will lead us to the end user, namely a value-add reseller who's today you know, coming up with a solution for item management or inventory management and that kind of stuff. It could be an IT consultant, it could be a sales agent, it could be a Salesforce agency altogether, it could be a training agency, and all of these different channel partners. We will aim to become a conveyor of all of those and, and, and be the vector so that between the merchant and the buyer, a seamless transaction is happening in, in just a few seconds. And not only that, it's not just about the 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 transaction itself, but it's also what happens post-transaction in terms of the transparency, in terms of the velocity, of course, of that transaction, but also the reporting right, mechanisms in terms of the fact that tomorrow that merchant, whether it be a micro, small, or medium enterprise, will be able to provide that report as almost a collateral to get access to a loan and so on and so forth. But so really for us, the incremental innovation that technology is bringing is definitely something that uh, we're working hard on. But where we think we can become a market-creating innovation is by consolidating all of those different uh, channel partners that today are working in silos. And it's by doing that by that we believe that really we will become that oil into the economic machine of Ethiopia. 
What is your current view on Ethiopia's tech ecosystem? Which areas of the ecosystem interest you most and why? To put things in perspective and, and to compare the Ethiopian entrepreneurship and tech ecosystem in perspective and really compare it also with our neighbors, whether it be Kenya or uh, Tanzania or even much further to the West, uh, Nigeria, Ethiopia is still in its infancy. For instance, at Arif Bay, we were able to raise upwards of $3 million dollars and we might be making a couple more rounds, but that was one of the largest raise in Ethiopia for a first round or even for a second round for that matter. But it's a, an amount that would be laughable, for instance, in Nigeria. It would be maybe a little bit less laughable in Kenya, but still people would still be looking at us with a bit of a smile on their face, right? So Ethiopia's uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem is, its, is in its infancy, uh, but it doesn't mean that, you know, in terms of breadth and depth of, and the richness altogether of uh, the startups, it doesn't mean that we, we don't have that richness, right? And so actually with our management consulting firm, what we've been doing is has been to, and, and Arif Pay is actually one of our portfolio companies, but the main work that we do is not investment, is really a strategic advisory. And one of the things we've been doing here in Ethiopia is to become the spokesperson almost and the lobbies for the entrepreneurship ecosystem. We've launched a campaign called Encopa, to really bring the spotlight on the on the international and pan-African stage first of uh, the Ethiopian entrepreneurship ecosystem. We brought also the spotlight at JITEX a couple months ago in Dubai on the Ethiopian entrepreneurship ecosystem by bringing a, a small delegation there. And so all in all, the Ethiopian ecosystem is rich. We have startups in fintech, in agritech, in logistics, in delivery, you name it. Pretty much all of the sectors are being touched in, in digital health and so on and so forth. But what we lack now is really the investment, right? And, and also the talent to really make the whole ecosystem work. And we've been pushing for a startup act now for about three years. Uh, and we're very happy that it's really now in the final stages. It's with the final decision maker now to look at this legislation, piece of legislation and to pass it to the parliament. But what the Startup Act will bring is before even it gets implemented, will be it will become that vector to attract the talent that's sitting there in Nairobi, whether it be the Ethiopian diaspora or even East Africans who are looking to work in Ethiopia. That's number one. It'll also bring the risk capital that we've also been trying to bring through the entrepreneurship fund, the risk capital that we need to make uh, this whole ecosystem take off. And so all in all, it's, it's, it's rich in its creativity and innovation, but it lacks that fuel in terms of capital and talent to really take off. What is the difference between bank-led digital payments and mobile money? The fintech sector, if that could be called a sector in all these different countries, whether it be Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, and all of our neighboring countries in Africa, or here in East Africa, they all have their own idiosyncrasies. You know, I just spoke to a friend of mine earlier today from Kenya, he's visiting, and uh, he was telling me that for him, it's really weird to touch a bill. He was touching the Ethiopian bill and, have, and had it in his hands. Because for the last, I think, 9 to 12 months, he was in Kenya. He never 
ever touched a single bill. And so for him, it was really weird to pay and to use an actual, actual and have actual cash in his hands, right? So I kind of envied him. But then the conversation also went down the path of really looking at it from a macro standpoint and, and to put things in perspective, right? Ethiopia back in the 50s was a country where the banking sector was open to foreign investors. As a matter of fact, we had a few uh, Italian banks, but then the banking sector, uh, especially when communism, the communism era came, quickly closed and stayed closed to foreign investors until now, where now finally the National Bank of Ethiopia is looking at opening up the banking sector. And I say finally with a bit of a, or a lot of caution, because I somewhat understand, you know, somewhat of the prudent approach of the National Bank of Ethiopia and the Central Bank for the last decades, because I described earlier the fact that, you know, the Ethiopia, the Ethiopian economy is characterized by a very, very fast growth. But again, we're, we're, we're still not even more, when you look at it from a GDP standpoint, than the economy of San Antonio, Texas, with the population of, uh, and, and with a population of a third of the U.S., right? And so it's almost like, and this is a known fact, right? The banking sector is supposed to, to, to support an economy. And what you're asking for this banking sector to do is to support an economy for 110 million people, which is growing very quickly, but with a very, very low amount of capital and, and, and deposit mobilized, right? And so when you have mobile money, which is very attractive because its growth can be almost uh, exponential. When you look at an expert like M-Pesa now in this field, they know exactly how to penetrate a market and they know how to make it grow through different uh, tactics. And this is where the caution comes in, right? Because mobile money is is definitely a good way of including the the folks, especially at the last mile, who don't have access to a bank, who don't have access, in some cases, also even to a mobile device. And so it's maybe through their cousin or through their family that they're going to have access to this mobile money. So it's good for that. But we have to be very cautious because it's almost a value proposition of, of losing hope, of, of just offering them with this option of mobile money. We shouldn't lose hope in this person who's now down in the countryside at the last mile and say, you can only have access to this and not a bank account. And so leave him or her unbanked for the foreseeable future. The solution should be, hey, you can have access to something that's going to make you financially included. But also you should really think about opening up a bank account because that's how in your very small and own way are going to help the banking sector. And so for us, that's why at ArifPay, it's very, very important to follow a bank-led model because if no one is going to help the banking sector who has already a lot of money on his plate, right? Or her plate, uh, if uh, because sometimes, you know, the banking sector, not just in Ethiopia, by the way, elsewhere, in, 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 in whether it be in the US and Europe, is criticized of being very much men-led. 
But uh, you, you have to make sure that you help these uh, decision makers in the banking sector to mobilize more deposits so that they can in turn also help the economy grow. So for us, the bank-led model is very, very important. We're working tightly, uh, tight at the hips with the banking sector, uh, helping them to modernize all of their payment, digital payment infrastructure so they can focus on their own products and we can help really the the banked population grow from today in Ethiopia it's about 15% to maybe tomorrow 20% 30% 40% and that's how you know the very prudent macroeconomic decisions that were made up until now are going to prove to be fruitful because that caution now is going to turn into a, a, a growth at the national level So thanks for listening. If you're an Africa-focused founder or investor looking to learn more about Africa's tech ecosystem, check out AfricanPreSeed.com. That's AfricanPreSeed.com for more great content like this. Otherwise, that's all for now. I'm Bernard Lorendo, and this has been Vibe Check. Remember, take care.